Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here. It's, it's a good day, isn't it, to be in God's house? Uh, I, I was uh, just reminiscing just everything we've just already heard this morning. Every, every bit of it was great. I, I loved every, every moment. I, I loved the brass band. I loved the singing. I, I loved the little kids. Uh, I loved little Evie down here with her, you know, improvising with her jazz hands. Ah. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Uh, and that's what it should be. That's what Christmas should be. Now, let me ask you a question. What part of Christmas is your, is your favorite? Uh, is, it, uh, is it the presents or perhaps family? Or maybe even watching uh, the Hallmark Christmas Channel. I know a couple, a few years ago, Nancy was out shopping and they came in and myself and my father-in-law were watching the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Whether there were tears in the eye, I cannot say. But there's a lot of good things about this season that our, that our culture has. But above culture, when we get down to the real story, is there something that really just fascinates you? Perhaps the, the shepherds, how the shepherds were, were inspired to, to be part. To, and they heard the angels uh, proclaim the good news. Or, or maybe it was... Uh, Joseph and his desire to complete God's plan. If you haven't ever really considered Joseph's part in, in the story, it's, it's pretty amazing. Or, or the manger, uh, Christ, the King of all kings, Lord of all lords, and could have chose to come to this world in any fashion that he chose. And yet, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and says he humbled himself and it took on the form of a servant. Wow. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Or perhaps it's, it's that, that God became man, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and to me, I still can't wrap my mind around that. When I think about the song, Mary, Did You Know? That when you kiss the face of your baby, you kiss the face of God. That's moving and, and compelling, and, and, and it speaks to, our, to the very essence of the season that humanity needed a Savior, and Christ came. See, I think, I think all the aspects of the, of the story are worthy of study and consideration that Christ would come and that Christ would provide for us. But today, I don't want to focus on just one aspect of the story. But rather, I would want to focus on the catalyst. A catalyst. Now, a catalyst is a change agent. It's what causes something to get into motion. And we can say that, you know, that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that's the motive that's the emphasis, that's the drive behind the season that, that Christ loved humanity. But I want to look at this catalyst in a little different perspective. 
Let me give an example of a catalyst. The catalyst is, is the yeast in the bread that makes it rise. It, it causes a chemical reaction. Years ago, uh, I worked in a, in a corrugated box factory. I don't, I don't know if anybody knows what those are, but anybody seen a cardboard box ever? Uh, well, they, they, they make cardboard boxes, and the way they make them is pretty amazing. They have these several thousand pound rolls of paper, and they put the top one on, they put the bottom one on, and they flute the middle one, and they glue them all together with starch. And it runs through these heaters that are 360 degrees. So the starch goes on wet, and by the time it rolls through those heaters, it's dry, and the board is stuck together. I was working, and I was young and a novice, and one day, the man that made the starch that glued everything together was sick. And they chose me. You know where this is going, don't you? They chose me to take his place. And they said they walked up and they, they took me up this little ladder and I was over this giant mixture. This mixture was about 12 feet tall and about 12 feet in, in diameter. It was huge. It had a giant mixer. and You could make so many cookies with that thing. It'd be incredible. Uh, but I was in this mixer and they said, here's the instructions. Do this, 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 and this. See you later. Like, good, good job. And I thought, I got it. I found that day that it's very important to read the instructions carefully. <laughs> because I put in all the, the starch and I put everything else in the, just the right amount of water but when it came to the caustic soda, which was the catalyst, it said one cup. I put in one hundred pound bag. <laughs> and within 15 minutes, there were strange noises coming out of that machine that nobody had ever heard before in their life. I was working from 11 at night until 7 in the morning. About 6.30, the machine decided it was not going to work any longer. And for the next seven hours, I got to clean out that wonderful machine. Because that starch, which, which was supposed to be a liquid, look like cement. That's what a change agent is, a catalyst, a catalyst. And, and when we look at the story found in Luke 2, we can see that the catalyst that God used, and what, what is that? What is that catalyst behind this? I believe it, it's simply this, that God is a redeemer, that God is a God that redeems. It's not something he does, it's something he is. God is a catalyst. God is a catalyst for change. God is a, is a redeemer. God loves to display his character in redeeming humanity, in redeeming those that are lost. See, saving, redeeming is who God is. It's not just what he does. Psalm 710 says this, God is my shield saving those whose hearts are true and right? God is a shield saving those whose hearts are true and right. Psalm 55, 16 says this, But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. 
You see, God is, is not just a person that redeems. He is a redeemer. It is who he is. It's in his fiber. It's in his character. It's in his DNA. It's what he does and who he is. And when the angel spoke to those shepherds abiding in the field, he spoke to the very condition that they needed to hear because man needed a redeemer. And what did the angels say? I'm glad you asked, because I have it on PowerPoint. It said, then the angels said to them, do not be afraid. Why? Because when they saw all the angels and they were proclaiming glory to God in the highest, they were terrified. Terrified. I don't know about you, but I would be terrified too. But they said, do not be afraid. They were speaking to the very essence of, uh, of man's problem, that, that fear, don't be afraid. See, humanity lives in fear, fear of dying or fear of being alone, fear of being without, fear of the unknown. And the root of all the fear that humanity has is really a fear of God. In our fiber, in our core, in our makeup, we know when we're not in right relationship with our Creator. See, we live in this fear because of our disagreement in our relationship with God. What did Adam and Eve say when they, when they fell and, and, and they decided to clothe themselves with leaves? Genesis 3.10 says, Adam and Eve said, I heard you in the garden, speaking of God, and I was afraid, so I hid myself. Fear. See, God's presence by nature exposes and brings things to light in, in, our, in our sinfulness and in our nature. And that fear of exposed sin keeps us in hiding because we're afraid to be judged. It's something that is built within us, whether you know that there is a God or whether you deny that there is a God, it's still in us and we respond as a as a human being as humanity we respond out of fear adam and eve tried to hide themselves and cover themselves and and we're no different we try to hide ourselves and cover our 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 fear with knowledge or perhaps good deeds or self-righteousness or or whatever it may be that's in our life or just simply saying we don't believe that God exists because we don't want to live or to discover this fear and yet nothing is adequate to remove the stain that's on our conscience there's nothing in this world there's no amount of good deeds. There's no, no amount of charity. There is no amount of self-abasement. There is nothing that you can do or that I can do to remove that stain that's on our conscience. When we encounter God, the light of God shows all imperfections. That's why the angel said, don't be afraid. Because I am not bringing 
UAA news of judgment. I am not going to bring you news that, that God is going to judge or ridicule or bring you down or destroy you. But no, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people because your Redeemer is here. You no longer have to live in fear because your Redeemer is here. And He is going to pardon you and forgive you and, and remove that stain of guilt and you're going to be able to walk in relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth not because you've earned it but because God is a God that redeems and saves to the uttermost God is here wow see Christmas is that time Christmas is that time when God's ultimate plan is revealed. In Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve fell, it says this, From now on you and the woman will, will be enemies, and, and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. First prophetic voice immediately after the fall in the garden that, that God says, A Redeemer's coming. The Redeemer's coming. And then in Galatians, Paul writes to the church in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, he says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. I want you to think about that for a moment. He came to redeem. He didn't just redeem us a little bit. He didn't just put us back into the estate uh, of Adam and Eve. He didn't just pardon us, but he said, no, I think I'll go all the way with this redemption. I'm not only going to forgive their sins, but I'm going to adopt them as my very own, that I will give them my very nature. I will give them my very spirit. And when their sins are removed, I will cast them as far as the east, that is east, isn't it? It's from the west. Wow. God is a redeemer. See, God attacked the, the source of the problem. He didn't attack the symptoms. He attacked the source. See, God gave us a permanent fix for sin. Not a temporary fix, but a permanent fix. I love that. You ever messed up? Have you ever done the same, same mistake twice? We do that, don't we? But see, when God fixed our sin, he didn't have to come back and fix it again. Because the scripture says when Christ was crucified for our sins, he sat down. In other words, I'm finished, I'm done, it's over. There's no more need. This is the only sacrifice that you will need. See, God's purpose was to bring humanity to a status of the children of the living God. I can't wrap my mind around that. I can't comprehend it. I, I try, and I, and I try to, in my wildest imagination, I try to understand what it means to be a child of the living God, to, to be called a son or a daughter of the creator of the heavens and the earth is beyond my understanding or comprehension. But yes, I know that it's not temporary, we're not going to be called children today 
and destitute tomorrow. We are the children of the living God today and tomorrow and throughout eternity. It's irrevocable to anyone that has walked into that light of redemption. Wow. And he brings it to all, to all people. God is a redeemer. And look what the scripture says about the shepherds abiding in the field. And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven. Do you think they felt a little relief? I mean, I, I love choirs, but can you imagine an angel talking to you? Then all of a sudden, here's this giant choir of angels singing glory to God in the highest, and you're a shepherd. And when they were gone, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds were willing to leave their sheep, their livelihood, their lifestyle, to go see this thing, this plan of redemption for humanity. I would, I would say to you that redemption is found in Christ alone. Joy and happiness are found in Christ. But to see the Savior, you must go to the Savior. You say, well, do I have to go to Bethlehem? No. To be honest, he's as close as the mention of his name. But you go to him by realizing that the fear that we have of serving him is what he came to take away. That fear that's brought on by our own carnal nature. But Christ, the Redeemer, said you no longer have to walk in darkness. You no longer have to walk in fear. You no longer have to walk in worry. Now you get to walk in love. Can I encourage you today? If you do not know Jesus Christ, take that step of faith toward him. Scripture says, if anyone comes unto me, let him believe that I am and that I reward those that seek me. Seek after him. That redeemer that was born some 2,000 plus years ago is alive and well today. And he is in the redeeming business. He wants to redeem humanity. He wants to redeem you. If you don't know him, I would love to have an opportunity to talk with you about walking toward him. But if you do know him, if you do know that joy of being able to walk in the light of love, can I encourage you? Let that light shine. 
Don't forget what Christ has done for us. We're the children of the living God. And it doesn't matter what, what we're facing in this life. We know that it too shall pass. But what will not change is that we are redeemed. You have been redeemed with something that you cannot buy. And he freely gave it. And you are redeemed and you are pardoned and you are forgiven. And you are the children of the Most High. And if anybody has a right to rejoice, if anybody has a right to celebrate, if anybody has a right to shout and dance in this season, it's those that have been redeemed that understand the true message that I was lost, but now I am found. Wow, it's time to celebrate. Amen.